Welcome to the Fitness for Sport podcast, a podcast dedicated to giving unseen amateur athletes training advice for the weight room, field, court, track and much more. After all, training resources and knowledge should not just be for one group of athletes and not for others. I'm your host Connor Stewart, I'm a strength and conditioning coach, a personal trainer but most of all I love to play sport. Thank you very much for listening and let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to episode number 19 of the Fitness for Sport podcast. Happy New Year, New Year, New Decade and all that. I hope you had a wonderful New Year's Eve, wherever you ended up spending it. I hope you weren't feeling too rough on New Year's Day. So I thought a good subject for today's episode would be talking about nutrients, how to eat to become a better athlete in 2020. Now, I did do a previous episode on this. Episode four covers diets and sport performance. But in that episode, I talked sort of more specifically about the impact different diets can potentially have on sport performance. I talked about viewing food as fuel rather than seeing it as something to restrict things that you need to take out of your diet viewing it as a way of enhancing what you're doing what can you add to your current diet rather than take away to make you a better athlete and I also talked a little bit about getting all the correct micronutrients and macronutrients, how being vegan and having other special dietary requirements can affect that. So for today's episode, I thought I would build on that a little bit and talk about things like energy balance. Can you build muscle in a calorie deficit? How to actually calculate how many calories you need day to day and start going into a little bit more detail about macronutrient split what it looks like training days non-training days give you a lot a little bit more um how should we say it actionable information that you can go away from this episode and starting from the day that you listen to it which is hopefully the day that it drops drops because you're obviously huge fans of the podcast and wouldn't want to miss it for the world um and that can make you better from that day you don't have to wait you don't have to buy anything you don't have to go do anything else you can just start it from now so without any further ado let's jump in and straight away let's start talking about energy balance and the concept of quote-unquote cutting and bulking so energy balance is simply how many calories you're consuming versus how many calories you are expending expending is that the right word? Using. How many calories you're consuming versus how many calories you're using. There you go. That's a better way of putting it. And I like to think that this is a pretty common area of knowledge, I think, or I like to think most people will understand that by now. I think there's been quite a lot of things going on online where people are becoming more aware of energy balance and how it actually impacts performance, body composition, muscle loss, muscle gain, weight loss, weight gain, etc. So to put it really simply, if you are using more calories than you are consuming, then you're going to be losing body mass, whether that be through using up more of your fat stores, so losing fat, or if it's a 
big enough calorie deficit, you'll actually start degrading your muscle um, and start using your muscle as fuel, as glycogen. And this process is called deamination. So amino acids are the building blocks of protein, protein being the building blocks of muscle. And when you are in a big enough deficit, the body will go through a process of deamination where it will break up the amino acids. So the amino acids can then go be used as glycogen for fuel, fueling your body, fueling your exercise, your living, your life, whatever it may be. However, that is for, like I said, quite large energy deficits and you don't necessarily need to be worrying about that. On the other side, if you are in a calorie surplus, you will be gaining body mass, whether that be gaining in body fat or you'll be gaining in muscle, depending on what sort of stimulus you're uh, giving your body or not giving your body. If you are in a calorie surplus and you're being very sedentary or you're having very light activity, it's likely that the body is going to be using those extra calories and just storing them as fat rather than anything else. However, if you are going through quite an intense gym program, you're focusing on muscle hypertrophy, you're focusing on your body composition, then it is, again, likely that you're going to be turning that increase in um, calories that you're consuming into muscle and exercise tissue, let's say, whether that might go into tendon remodeling, um, ligament health, whatever it may be, all your calories and the protein and everything that you're consuming is going to go towards that. So let's talk a bit about how you actually calculate your energy requirements. There are quite a few different ways of doing this but I think the most used and the most valid that I've certainly seen and certainly used for the for adults so I assume almost all people that are going to be listening to this are going to be over the age of 18 purely because if you are under the age of 18 then you need a different equation and you need different um, regression equations so the most popular and like I said, valid method of calculating your calories is using the Schofield equation. Now, a lot of people will charge on their website to cal- calories and things, but if you just Google Schofield equation, S-C-H-O-Feld equation, you'll be able to get it up and it is a really easy tool to use. So all you need is your age, your gender, your current weight in kilos, and you need to select an activity level. So these activity levels range sorry, range from sedentary to lightly active to moderately active, very active, and extremely active. The most common error people use when selecting their activity level is that they either highly overestimate or highly underestimate the amount of activity they are doing now extremely active would be a professional athlete you're going through very intense training you're training pretty much every day potentially twice three times a day and therefore you need the calories to go with that very active would be if you had either a labor intensive job so you're something like a bricklayer a laborer you're on your feet all day you're picking things up putting things down or you're exercising for at least an hour 
or more five to seven times a week and that the intensity of that exercise is moderate to high so you might be going through a very intense sort of gym program at the moment you're doing weights and cardio and you're doing that five to seven days a week and then it just goes down from there so moderately active would be perhaps you play you train for football twice a week and play on a saturday but you don't do anything else that's moderately active and then lightly active is you take your dogs for a walk every day that's it and then sedentary is you just do nothing and depending on which one you pick it adjusts the equation and the value you get at the end of that is your basal metabolic rate or bmr now if you weren't to put in your daily activity level the result you get at the end is your resting metabolic rate or rmr now your resting metabolic rate is the amount of calories you need just to stay alive so if you were to lie in bed 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year not move a muscle the number of calories that you need for your body to sustain you in a living situation or a living state is your resting metabolic rate now getting putting your activity level on top of that again is your basal metabolic rate your bmr and hitting your bmr should in theory maintain your weight you shouldn't be gaining or losing any weight going below your bmr is then what's known as being in a calorie deficit and then going above your bmr is what's known as being in a calorie surplus and i've spoke about that briefly before about either losing body mass losing muscle losing fat or gaining body mass gaining muscle gaining fat now the big million dollar question from here is can you build muscle in a calorie deficit now the answer simply is yes and no now i know that's not quite as helpful as you probably wanted it to be but let me explain let me go through it a little bit more so so if your goal is to lose body mass and when i say body mass let's talk about body fat you want to become leaner you want to be able to have a better body weight strength ratio you want to be you know just a little lighter for whatever reason a maintainable sustainable calorie deficit is generally between 10 and 20 percent of your basal metabolic rate so if we're for example saying uh, athlete or you actually need 2000 calories a day to be able to perform and you want to be losing a little bit of weight getting a bit leaner 10 to 20 percent would be a 200 to 400 calorie deficit which is doable you could lose between one maybe one and a half kilos a week at that rate and yes you could build muscle in that deficit however you are looking at the lower end of that deficit so 10% maybe up to 15% and you'll you'll be wanting to increase your usual protein intake now I'm going to talk about macronutrient split on about on training and non-training days in a bit but just to go through it a bit now obviously the macronutrients carbohydrate fats proteins makes up everything that we eat and from a global level you want to be making sure that you've got all of these in a nice little box and you've got all of these 
in the right proportions. Increasing your protein intake whilst in that calorie deficit is going to allow your body to at least maintain muscle mass, if not build a little bit on top. Now, if you're really looking to put on muscle mass, then obviously being in a calorie surplus of 10 to 20% is going to be beneficial. Bear in mind, the more calories you put on, there is a point of diminishing returns. So if we are, say, 12% over our basal metabolic rate looking to put on muscle, that might be the peak amount that we need to put on muscle. As soon as we go 15, 20% even more, we're not going to be putting on any more muscle because the stimulus isn't there the body takes time to build muscle takes time to recover from training and so therefore it's going to be storing it as extra fuel and it's likely going to be going into our fat stores as superficial or subcutaneous fat with that increase in um, calories that you're consuming you are naturally going to be eating more protein hopefully you're not going to be eating all of those extra calories as just carbohydrates you want to be spreading it out over carbohydrates fats and protein and that goes the same for calorie deficit as well you're going to mainly want to cut out carbohydrates and fats obviously if you're looking to maintain muscle mass you're going to increase that protein intake if you're increasing your protein intake you're going to need to cut down a little bit more on your carbohydrates and fats but having everything in balance not just focusing on one area because if you focus on one area say you completely cut out fats if you completely cut out fats then you're going to be missing out on your essential fatty acids and if something is an essential acid, so such as essential amino acids, essential fatty acids, something like that, it means the body can't produce it itself. There are certain types of amino acids and fatty acids that the body naturally produces, but there are others which it has to get in through food. If you're not getting those in through food, you're going to have all sorts of issues with, um, I can't think of the specific word now, but having really low levels of things like vitamins minerals essential acids it has a really harmful effect on the body and that's when things like scurvy and things scary things happen but um i'm sure that won't be you i'm sure you will balance everything out cut everything down equally so that you're not going to be losing out on anything and this is where supplementation comes in if you are having if you're on that higher end of a deficit, so looking at 20% and above, I, well, firstly, I would be worried, or not worried, but I'd be concerned and I'd be wondering why you feel like you have to have a deficit of higher than 20%. But if you are having a deficit of higher than 20%, that's when you could be looking to supplement essential acids some minerals and vitamins into your diet to make sure you're not going to be going sort of below any sort of critical levels but anyway back to the main point I went off on a bit of a tangent there yes you can build muscle in a low calorie deficit sort of 10 percent ish i think if your goal is purely aesthetics and it's purely you're wanting to look as best as you can then potentially going for the more traditional bulking and cutting approach could be good i think 
Um, sometimes it gets butchered and bastardized a bit, but essentially going through periods of maintained calorie surplus to build good quality muscle and then reversing that going into a sustained calorie deficit to cut down on your to cut your body fat away lose some body mass and then obviously um, maintain that muscle could be a good way to go I think for most people and most athletes out there I'd say if you look to hit your BMR that way you know you're getting everything you need for your performance and then you can evaluate from there if you really feel like you need to lose some weight 10 20 percent under that is like i said sustainable i would be asking you why you think you need to go more and if you do need to go more i'd be saying go even start off with five ten percent more and then go from there because even though metabolism isn't something you necessarily need to worry about as it is the definition of metabolism is purely the number of chemical processes going on in your body at any one time every there is slight individual variation that it does have a genetic factor in there and you just don't quite know how you're going to react to that and how it's going to affect you so starting off small gradually increase it Obviously, there will be a point, like I said, of point of sort of no returns, of diminishing returns. And so if you feel like your body weight is going up too much and you feel like you're putting on too much fat, then you can just dial it down and um, sort of evaluate it as you go along. Keeping records, using things like MyFitnessPal, using diet diaries, they are really essential when doing any sort of calorie cut, calorie maintenance, increasing calorie um whatever it may be being able to track what you have having the data that you need is going to make the whole process easier it stops being a guessing game and it starts becoming something that you can really be scientific about essentially so let's move on let's start talking about macronutrient split training days non-training days and what i'm about to give you here is some very general guidance very general advice i think for most unseen athletes and for most sort of amateur athletes out there, they won't or you won't necessarily be um, sort of tracking the split of your carbohydrate, protein and fat. And if you do, it's something in my fitness power, which sort of just happens. If you are tracking it, I hope you know why you've got certain splits. And I hope the sort of the information here is going to be helpful for you to go away and be more... Um, informed about why you should have different splits on different days so it simply comes down to two different factors whether you are having a training day or a non-training day now if it is a recovery day that is a non-training day a training day is anything where you're doing 30 minutes or more of moderate to intense exercise i don't quote me on that some sort of scientific definition that I've got from a journal or something because it's not I'm just using that as a guideline and just from my sort of experience and what I've read and who I've coached 30 minutes of moderate to intensity intense exercise a day should be uh, considered a training day let's start off with carbohydrates so carbohydrates 
provide the body with the most um, ready, uh, readily available source of glycogen and therefore energy for performance. So on a training day, you want to have about 60% of your energy intake as carbohydrate so that when you're training, you have a quick energy source to get your energy from. Fat as a... Um, as an energy source it's it's very it's not a very powerful energy source but it's a very long sustaining energy source when we're talking about sports and sport performance i think even the when we go into ultra endurance events things like triathlons ironmans multi-stage events even those sorts of athletes are going to need to have plenty of carbohydrate and uh glycogen readily available to them in their body once you start getting into your fat you're just not going to be able to perform at the same intensity that you need to perform at you're going to be able to perform for the duration but the intensity is not necessarily going to be there you then want 20 percent of your intake as protein obviously in a training day you're going to be causing micro tears in the muscle that's how muscles hypertrophy so you're going to want that increase in the amount of protein to match the increased demand of work and stress on the muscle and then the rest of the um, percentage so the last 20 percent is going to be fats so making sure you get all the essential fatty acids that you need to rebuild collagen to help in your ligaments and tendons and all the other essential roles that fatty acids play in your body so what about non-training days? Well, you want just want to adjust the ratio slightly. So you want to bring that carbohydrate down to about 50%. Hopefully on non-training days, it doesn't necessarily mean you're completely sedentary. You're still doing stuff and that's walking, keeping active. You're always going to want to keep active. If we were talking about completely sedentary days where you know, say, for example, over Christmas, where all you're doing is sitting down and then going to bed at night, you could even, number one, you want to bring your whole calorie intake down. However, I'm about to go on a tangent, so I'm going to stop myself there. Um, 50% carbohydrate intake. Um, 15%, so one five, should be protein. Obviously, you're not stimulating the muscles in the same way you're not causing the same muscle damage you're not needing that protein and 15% is always the minimum level for protein if you look at any sort of position stand when it comes to nutrition and athletic performance 15% I believe is always the minimum they recommend and then 30% of what's left would be fat now when we say fats, that automatically sort of flags up as it could be bad, but I'm talking about nuts, I'm talking about avocados, I'm talking about extra virgin olive oil, coconut oil, those good healthy fats that are going to help you and your body repair and recover and keep it in just a good healthy state. So with your carbohydrates and fats, you're obviously going to be eating things like whether it be rice, bread, pasta, but you're also going to want to be eating plenty of vegetables, plenty of whole foods. If it's the more whole food it can be, so the less processed it can be, the better. And that just goes for anything. So obviously things like bread and pasta have to be processed to a certain extent. 
whereas things like uh, couscous, quinoa, um, don't have to be processed to the same extent and even rice doesn't have to be processed to the same extent so the more whole food it can be the ultimately the better it's going to be for your body because it's going to have more vitamins more minerals ensuring you have plenty of leafy green veg five to seven portions a day so a portion of fruit or veg is considered uh, 80 grams so five lots of 80 gram portions of leafy green vegetables of whatever your favorite so for example for dinner last night i had haddock cooked in butter and garlic and then steamed some mange to with asparagus and then had some new potatoes with a sprinkle of hollandaise over the top to finish a good healthy all-round recipe now yes you could argue that the butter and the hollandaise is unhealthy however you've got to make what you're eating palatable you've got to enjoy it it's no good just eating dry food which isn't going to appeal to you because you're going to get bored and then you're going to binge on chocolate so having something that's palatable making it enjoyable and having not compromising and not having a trade-off but i think you know what i'm trying to say you're trying to you trying to make it enjoyable whilst having it as healthy as possible so having those little bits on your plate like a good sauce or cooking your meat or whatever it is you're eating in a creative way to enjoy it more is ultimately going to be going to be more beneficial because it's going to help you stick to a more whole food whole approach diet again you can play around with these values as much as you like if you are let's say an ultra endurance athlete or you do triathlons you like Ironman you you might be pushing your carbohydrates up to 65 even 70 percent of the day having your protein at 50 percent and the rest as fat for your training days and then in your non-training days you still you might consider a non-training day going for a three four five mile run so you might still be having 50 60 percent of your uh, daily intake as carbohydrate 15 20% as protein and then 20 30% as fat depending on on the ratios that you're choosing it just depends on you depends on your sport and the level you want to play at i know this is a bit of a rabbit hole to go down and what i would suggest is starting small and going bigger from there so start off by simply tracking what you eat and making a note of the um, different ratios of carbohydrate fat and protein that you're having in your current diet once you've been tracking that for a week or two and you see what you're eating normally quote-unquote normally you can then look to segment your macronutrients so either increasing or decreasing your carbohydrate protein and fat depending on what your normal diet is and then from there once you've segmented that and you've got into that for two three weeks then you can start looking at splitting up training days and non-training days the worst thing you could do is dive in at the deep end do it for about a week get completely confused by the whole thing lose interest you can't be bothered with it and then nothing ever changes doing small steps each day that was going to help you get to that end goal so you're looking for the process rather than the outcome is going to be much more beneficial for you achieving your athletic goals achieving your athletic potential 
and obviously when you're going down this rabbit hole you've got to be sort of wary of different things that come up different diets that you're going to get pointed towards why you should do this why you should do that and just the general impact of popular culture on nutrition and yes i'm about to talk about game changers and the game changers debate that was on the joe rogan podcast if you haven't or if you generally if you don't listen to the joe rogan podcast i highly highly recommend it. it's very entertaining it's got all sorts of different guests on there and, um and he had james wilkes who made the game changers documentary and a guy called chris cresser who is a nutritionist in america who had a debunking episode on there so chris cresser debunked the game changers documentary and then they both got together and had a debate about it i am by no means an expert in nutrition or an expert in sort of vegan diets and its impact on athletic performance but i think just from i'm quite pragmatist in things so for those of you who have watched it obviously it's very pro-vegan it puts for the vegan agenda and it almost is saying that the best diet for athletic performance is the vegan diet it goes through several examples of athletes who haven't been on a vegan diet and then go on a vegan diet and achieve all these things and wow bish bash bosh they're now like winning medals and achieving greatness however there are often or there is one sort of big critique of that approach and often in the documentary you'll notice that these athletes go from eating not particularly good whole food diets to then eating completely whole food diets and obviously that's going to have a benefit obviously going from having primarily processed foods to primarily non-processed foods it's obviously going to have an impact on what you do and that it's got nothing to do with going vegan it's got everything to do with making better food choices and also if being vegan was or is the answer to everything it's the answer to all health and answer to all athletic performance then why aren't all professional athletes vegan Usain Bolt quite famously ran a world record 100 meter sprint time fueled by chicken nuggets it's less it's so much less about diet and so much more about genetics and your psychology having good genetics and being able to express the physical outputs required for elite sport performance and then having the psychological skills and psychological um, abilities and tricks to be able to perform at that level consistently is what creates a professional athlete or a world-class athlete what they eat and their overall nutrition is some somewhat irrelevant now obviously it's not irrelevant i'm i am sort of playing devil's advocate here to a certain extent you obviously have to have a good diet to perform at that level but it's another example which i thought is a good counterpoint but i can't remember it being brought up is michael phelps michael phelps is what the most successful swimmer of all time 
and because of his calorie requirement for training and competition, he was eating, you know, big American pancakes, pizza, very what we would call unhealthy, um, saturated fat foods, purely to get calories in. And then again, we can look at people who run polar marathons, who run um, marathons at altitude. They are eating quote unquote unhealthy food because they simply need the calories. And I don't, that wasn't brought up really in the Game Changers documentary. They did have the guy who ran the, is it the Rocky Mountain Trail or something like that? And he was a vegan and did it in a world record time. Congratulations to him. Well done for his performance. I admire it completely. What I would say was notice the difference in how he looks before and after. So before he, or at the start of his running journey, he looked what well, he looks like a runner. He's a very lean athlete, um, very sort of stringy and springy. And then at the end, he just looks like a skin full of bones. In my opinion, and unfortunately it is an opinion because I don't have any sort of concrete evidence to back this up, I think it's because he wasn't eating any animal protein. And he, a common talking point in the documentary is that he does get injured going through this process. And there is an argument to say that if he was eating animal products and getting good whole food animal sources that he might not have been injured and if he did still get injured he could have recovered a little bit faster from it i think for those of you who have watched the game changers or listened to the game changers debate on the joe rogan podcast as someone who has been through quite a bit of university education got a master's degree in strength and conditioning what i noticed about james was that he was actively looking for issues in the research he wasn't necessarily critiquing the research he he was but he was going too many layers deep he was actively looking for things wrong with the research and then using that as a justification to disregard it completely so even going he says he looks into the author's backgrounds and who they've been involved with uh, because that could have conflict of interests um, publication biases etc and whilst it is good to look for conflicts of interest and things like that there's actually to a certain extent nothing wrong with funded research and there's nothing wrong with just because a researcher is employed by an organization or a company to conduct research and the research finds a certain thing or it shows certain results there's on the face of it yes it looks bad but until there is evidence to say that there has been bias and there has been um conflicts of interest and there has been mitigating factors in the outcomes of the research you can't just say that on the face of it because it is funded research it is therefore bad Obviously, if something, if research has been funded and there is a huge body of evidence that goes against what the funded research has shown, that then is an obvious problem. There's been some sort of confounding factor there because if it was genuine or quote unquote genuine, it would have been more in line with what the 
whole body of research itself was saying. And science is never about finding exact truths. It's about having our best guess and our best idea to date. When we start talking about science in exact truths and absolutes, that's... And when I say that, I'm talking about sort of the conclusions and the results of things because as technology develops, as science moves on things change so if you are taking the conclusions and things of papers as absolute as gospel then you're not being scientific because if you were being scientific you would take them as okay this is our best understanding that we have at the moment but something more relevant something um, will come along in the future which is going to be more reflective of what's actually happening So what I'm trying to say with this rather long tangent is just be a bit critical with what you're reading online. There's nothing wrong with, as I said in the previous episode, trying different diets, seeing what works for you. Just make sure you know why you're doing it and you haven't been or you're not just turning a blind eye to the common faults and the common... Um, shortfalls that go along with many diets but if you want to get more into specific diets then I encourage you to go listen to episode number four diets and sport performance um oh I've just noticed we've been going on quite a while this will be the longest episode to date which I'm pretty pleased about anyway so uh, let's finish there I hope this gave you some good actionable advice and information to help you each your way to a or eat your way to being a better athlete in 2020 um i hope you've blown the post christmas and post new year's cobwebs out by now um it, the first training session is always the worst and once you get over that first training session that first week and you get back into routine as i said previously then it just becomes easier. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you so much for your continued support into 2020. I really look forward to what's going to happen this year and all the stuff I've got planned, and I hope you love it as well. The Athlete Introduction Program is going away shortly. It's only going to be available for another two to three weeks. So if you haven't got your Athlete Introduction Program yet, please click the link in the show notes, fill out your name and email, and I will send it directly to your inbox. But for now, I hope you're doing good. I hope 2019 is treating you well. If you're doing dry January, keep it up, keep going. You're doing amazing. And I shall speak to you next time. That's it for another episode of the Fitness for Sport podcast. Thank you very much for listening. This is the part where I tell you to go and sign up to the mailing list. Now, if you want free training advice and guidance every day, then make sure you click the description in the show notes or you go to yes.athleticstrengthuk.co.uk forward slash sign underscore up and you will get a new email in your inbox every Monday to Friday with free training advice, free guidance from everything from weight training, power training, speed training to mental health and all the rest. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to sign up. Click the link in the show notes and I shall see you next time.